Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. I continue to maintain this is the single dumbest thing in sports. Pete Thamel. The emperor had no clothes, no clothes, nor did many of the people he was calling. So. <laughs> With his eyes, Pat Forty. This is the one ranking that really matters was Cincinnati. For them to be outside the top four, here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I welcome the pod. We're going to get to the stripper and the monkey. Don't worry. We're going to get to the stripper and the monkey. Yes, we are. We'll probably throw in some Hugh Freeze and the escort services just because he's making a return trip to Ole Miss. <laughs> so this is going to be dicey on the PG, PG-13, P, like, you know, who knows? Who knows where this is going? It's not us. We just react to the news. Just react to the news. But we will get to the stripper and the monkey. <laughs> First, the college football invitational is out with its little rankings. I continue to maintain this is the single dumbest thing in sports. <laughs> it is a sport that self-sabotages itself by making everyone angry. It is a sport that hauls 13 people to Dallas every week so they can be mocked and humiliated. <laughs> Called all sorts of names. People who are relatively successful in their walks of life and, yeah, become It is a sport that undermines its own credibility. It's why people don't like this thing. Yeah. Whoever came up with the idea of the weekly show and yet continues it has no freaking idea what they're doing. (laughs) This was the playoff made by people who have no idea what a playoff should be. They're like, you know what we need? People angry. You know, no one is ever angry at how the NFL playoff is set ever because it's just set. Yet it's the most popular sport on, on the, in the country. This is stupid, but we're going to do it. Georgia one, Bama two, Michigan State three, Oregon Ducks four, Ohio State five, Cincinnati six. You got Michigan seven over Oklahoma and Wake Forest. Notre Dame is 10. Oklahoma State, Baylor are 11 and 12. They still have an outside path, perhaps. I don't know. Auburn at 13 has games against Alabama and Georgia conceivably remaining. Could they come all the way from 13 to jump Cincinnati? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> After that, I think we're done. Where the hell is Texas, San Antonio? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Pat, 
Your thoughts. I have thoughts. I bet you do. I, I'm going to start with seven words that just came back like it was yesterday when I was hearing them before. The exact same seven words last year from Gary Barta. The committee has tremendous respect for Cincinnati. <laughs> he didn't mean it last year. He doesn't mean it this year. The committee has no respect for Cincinnati. Just because you say it doesn't make it true. In fact, it makes it insulting because the rankings make it very clear that you have no respect for Cincinnati. It doesn't matter what they do. They'll find people to put in front of them. They did it this time. Cincinnati, you know, they go, well, yes, you did beat Notre Dame. Congratulations. But, but... You kind of messed around with Navy and then a little bit with Tulane there. So we got to drop you behind Oregon and behind Ohio State. Oregon, by the way, which lost to three and five Stanford. Uh, we got to put you behind Alabama, which lost to a two-loss Texas A&M team. So this, this tremendous respect is a pile of caca, just as it was last year. They'll find other people to shift in front of Cincinnati. Why it matters a lot where they are this week. This is the one ranking that really matters was Cincinnati. For them to be outside the top four now when their strength of schedule is probably going to slide further behind other people is really bad news for them. Now they need help. They can't control their own destiny, in my opinion. They've got nobody else ranked in the top 25 that they are playing. That may change. SMU or Houston may get in there but they're going to be at the nether reaches of this thing. If they do, it's all set up for the committee to do to Cincinnati just what they did last year. Find other people to put in front of them while the Bearcats do what they have to do, win all their games. Good job. I am shocked that this happened. I am just stunned. Who could have possibly <laughs> seen this coming? I mean, it is just mind-blowing that Cincinnati got screwed in the same exact way that they got screwed the year before using the same rhetoric and surrounded by the, the same biases that have kept them down. The worst news for Cincinnati wasn't that they were ranked six because that was not surprising. The worst news is that committee set them up to not even have a chance or a prayer to get any higher. I think we've all watched SMU at some point this season, 7-1 and one SMU. They are a good football team, all right? They lost in overtime, I believe, or they were about to go to overtime, and then there was a kick return that they gave for a touchdown against 7-1 and one Houston. SMU play Houston and not come away with it thinking one of those teams should not be ranked. Now, I know Houston lost to Texas Tech, but as losses go, and we count losses as something, that's not a terrible loss. So I, I just really, the, the most dispiriting part for me, and all, all we're rooting for is a good story, right? Cincinnati is a good story. It's interesting. Cincinnati is Butler. Cincinnati is Boise uh, in football. Cincinnati's Butler in basketball. They're VCU. They're George Mason. They are something to break this sport out of a rut that is so drudgerous and predictable that they actually are changing the system because the rut's so bad. Well, who's enabling the system? You know, the same stiff drone. They, sh they like pull the string on the back of his. <laughs> he says, we respect Team X. <laughs> team X is very respected. Light criticism of Team X. It's like, uh, it's like college football playoff, Mad Libs. It's like empty compliment, light criticism, move on. It's the college sports way. Listen, Cincinnati is in the friend zone. The committee put Cincinnati in the friend zone. 
<laughs> They're never going to date them. <laughs> never happening. <laughs> all five of their boyfriends ahead of them can all die. <laughs> He's die. like my brother. Yeah. They'll <laughs> and they'll find five new ones. <laughs> right. It ain't ever happening for Cincinnati. When they say I have a, we have great respect, that means yeah. yeah. It's not you, you it's me. Got a got great, great personality. Great personality. Mm-hmm. You got no shot, Cincinnati. You're in the friend zone. The committee is there. Same as coach uh, AD's giving a a vote of confidence to a coach. You're yeah. done. You got no shot. Should I, I, look at this is how I would have done it. This is the most politically this, this committee. They, they get these committee members on there, and they actually think they're on a committee, and they're not. They're they're really not. It, they're just pawns to get batted around. So. A couple more people will watch ESPN on Tuesday night. Again, most of the criticism of this committee, the the credibility of the committee would be so much higher if they just did this once. But they had to come up with this to undermine themselves. They should have put Cincinnati at four. Only because the other teams that could have played in would have bounced them out and that would have been fine. Or they at least could have put them five. I don't know. They should have put Michigan State at two so it didn't look like they're just throwing, you know, should put Michigan State at two. Michigan State will either play its way to number two or it'll not. It was a very safe second choice, but instead they put Alabama to everyone's all upset. This is the, it doesn't even matter if Alabama loses. They just set themselves up for these these hacks at the at the base of the tree. It's just chop, 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 chop. And by the end, they're all nothing makes any sense. And they say, well, you, you can't have a loss. Well, oh, oops, that doesn't work. That their their analytics, Cincinnati can never overcome the analytics because the bottom of the American is going to be more punishing on the analytics than the bottom of any power five conference. Cause they can't afford to buy. You have one win team in there. You got a two win team. There's the, the, even the ACC, the ACC doesn't have many good teams, right? They all have three wins. Like, and so when you do this n- numbers thing, Cincinnati can never overcome this. They never will be able to, they don't respect them. Barda said, uh, they hadn't beaten anybody, but Notre Dame. Well, they, I mean, it's a double digit win on the road against the top number 10 team. Uh, Luke yeah. Fickle responded, who's the chairman? Did he play football? So we're already getting into that. <laughs> can't yeah, can't analyze this Luke unless you... Fickle response in the history of yeah. Luke Fickle. <laughs> Did you play the game? So now the committee is fighting with one of the popular coaches. This is so dumb. Please. <laughs> please, I ask these people. I mean, I, I don't... There are people who who are in the Big 12 who think a four-team playoff is better for their chances than a 12-team playoff. So there is a lot of stupid people in college sports. Like, stop with this ranking system. It's stupid. All it does is kill your credibility. You want to know why so many people are angry with you? I don't even care if Cincinnati's sixth or fourth or second. I really don't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where any of these teams are ranked. Cincinnati very well will lose the rest of the way, and it'll all be moot. But they set themselves up for weeks. Just this is so dumb. It's good for us, I guess. We can yell about it, but see, that's your yours. Your you are missing the point. It's good for us. Good for us, but I don't know how much outrage I can have. I don't know. <laughs> Ohio State was going to jump them anyway. They're all going to jump them. They're all they going to. Go. Ohio State's already jumped them, whether they deserve it They'll or not. They'll put Notre Dame in ahead of them. <laughs> no, they probably not because they don't really like Notre. Dame. I don't know though. 
You watch, man. Oklahoma. You haven't played anyone That's, your eight. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, okay, they're going to play number 11 and number 12, and they're probably going to yeah. play three games against those two teams. Are they getting good enough to jump Cincinnati? They will be. Yep. No, Oklahoma, look, I, I give the credit committee credit for that. They put Oklahoma where they should have, as we've been saying on this podcast for weeks. You know, that the rankings were absolutely ridiculous how much they had overrated Oklahoma. Well, they saw through that, thankfully. But, yeah, the path is there then for Oklahoma to to pile up these uh, late-season wins. And then all of a sudden, Cincinnati's resume won't be as good as theirs either. They'll just keep finding other people to put up there. It's a sham. It's a setup. It's a sucker play. And they got us. And, yeah, yet again... It's a situation where the committee just they for the for the purpose of Tuesday night ratings of all things for an hour for ESPN, the committee has to just get bludgeoned about the head and shoulders for doing this for five weeks in a row. One of the good things about such blatant bias is it brings good outrage and we like a good outrage uh you know, bluster on this podcast. And so in an equally predictable fashion, Mike Oresco, the uh, feisty commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, who knows a thing or two about his league getting screwed because he's experienced it year after year after year after year, um, yes. <laughs> gave some uh, some good quotes to, uh, to, to Yahoo tonight. He said, I'm not going to say it's rigged. What I'm going to say is that a team from our conference did not have a fair shot. And then he went on to say what I thought was uh, a very telling and compelling quote basically looked at the notion of, to me, it's a much bigger deal that Houston and SMU both did not get ranked as opposed to, to Cincinnati. Because now they don't even have an argument. They are they have found their ceiling at six. Like, chaos would have to happen above them and behind them for them to significantly move up. And Oresco said, quote, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The committee doesn't rank our teams that deserve to be ranked. Then they turn around and say they don't play any ranked teams. And it's the perfect logical circle to sum up basically the quandary that Cincinnati is going to be facing until the uh, until the rankings end. I, I think Cincinnati is going to finish undefeated. I think Cincinnati is an excellent team that should right now be considered one of the top four in the sport. But there is no chance that's going to happen. Like it's been it's been deflated and gone tonight. No, that's this was a really bad night for Cincinnati just for that reason, because they had to start in the top four. And it really would have also helped if SMU and or Houston were ranked. And so now, like, the setup is completely in. Now Cincinnati's only chance is to have some unforeseeable losses for some people. You know, to have Penn State muck up the Big Ten East against Michigan State or Michigan, to have somebody else beat Ohio State, to, you know, Auburn win the Iron Bowl. I mean, they, they need a bunch of help now that seems very unlikely to get if this thing plays out anywhere even close to chalk beat for the next four weeks then school's out for Cincinnati so let's let's jump around here Pat, to these rankings because I think it's pretty interesting uh there's one thing I really disagreed with Kirk Herbstreet about he basically said the if Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC title game we assume happens although I'm certainly not going to close Auburn out of the SEC West race but if Alabama loses to Georgia in Atlanta, and it's a close game, could Alabama end up ranked in the top four? Now, I had said very early on that we needed to at least leave a window open, a door ajar for two-loss Alabama to end up this. Now, Alabama getting wedged in at two, which I think was too high, certainly, I think, creases that door open a little bit more. Pat, do you think two-loss Bama 
is a thing. Um, yeah, no, I said that uh, in what I wrote for Sports Illustrated and our reactions to it, that, that Alabama now has a puncher's chance to be the first two-loss team to get in because starting there – and if you win out and then you will have beaten Auburn, you will have added a quality win over Auburn to wins over Mississippi, Mississippi State, who clearly the committee likes. Your loss will be to Texas A&M. And while that's not as good a loss as some other teams have, they're willing to clearly excuse that. I mean, I thought they were too high at number two. But now, sure, if you get into the game against mighty Georgia, which is undefeated, and you do what Alabama has done to Georgia, which is drive them crazy – uh, and you lose the game by on a field goal, and you're sitting there at 11-2, and two, yeah, I think that there's going to be some people that will have some sentiment for Alabama to stay in there. Because if they stay 1-2 the whole time, uh, especially if there's churn underneath them, I think, I think, yeah, there's a chance that that happens. Yeah, and I really think that when we look at Bama and the, and the finishing kick they have right now, they're obviously essentially tied for the SEC lead with Auburn right now. They're both at one loss. Auburn only has three league wins. Alabama going to Auburn, who could be ranked as high as like eighth at that point. So you got a road top 10, a potential top 10 road game to end the season. All of a sudden, they could be number two with a bullet. I just think that credit Auburn, right? I mean, they're, they're only, they're only loss out of league came obviously at Penn State in a, in, a, in a heck of a in a heck of a college football game, right? They've won at Tiger Stadium, ending at Orgeron's uh, ending at Orgeron's tenure. Essentially, their only league loss is to Georgia, and Georgia went to Auburn and thumped them. But like all of a sudden, Auburn could really be shaping up to to be some sort of factor, some sort of saboteur, some sort of enabler in this whole system. I give Brian Harson credit. I don't think when we saw Auburn in glimpses early this season, we thought we'd be discussing them as someone who <laughs> could be factoring into the title race. Now, Auburn itself could not get there with two losses. Be clear about that. But, well, could it? If it go if it wins the West yeah. and I mean I don't think I I mean maybe maybe I don't know I mean that that's a long way to go from thirteen to four I mean it's been it's happened before yeah. we've had teams come from further back than yeah. that they the could definitely ring. pass Cincinnati so, we know that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes everyone gets a chance to pass Cincinnati you know I still think it's possible that USC passes Cincinnati eventually no this I mean. Yeah, look, if Auburn, if they, if you close the season by beating Alabama and then beating Georgia and Atlanta, mm-hmm. that's pretty strong, and you end up at eleven and two. You might have the same puncher's chance that Alabama would at eleven two, but it's a lot harder doing it from thirteenth than from doing it in second. But here's the question for you, Pete: Wake Forest, any path for the Demon Deacons that you see at this point? They play as many ranked teams remaining, I believe, as Cincinnati does. So I think this is a great moment for Dave Clawson and the Deeks, and they should celebrate their status. But I just don't see uh, I don't see a way for them. They, they Obviously, Pitt is ranked, right? So they could end up playing Pitt in the ACC title game. Uh, NC State is ranked, right, Pat? Yes. They, yes. They, they snuck in there. So there are some opportunities for incremental Deacon uh, nudges, but – I was most curious, actually, where Oklahoma and Wake Forest would be outside of Cincinnati, right? Because they're undefeated Power 5 teams, decent wins, but not bad. I, I actually think you could make a pretty good argument that Wake Forest should have been ahead of Oklahoma in a lot of ways. Yeah, just yeah. With the, I mean, at least they've had some, they've been impressive on occasion. You know? Correct. They have been impressive on occasion. That, yeah. is a, that is a good way to put it. So, All right, enough of this nonsense. Who cares? Who cares? It'll sort itself out. It'll sort itself out. Great respect. Great respect. I have great respect for Danielle Thomas. That's who I have great respect for. 
<laughs> Tell Anybody us Anybody who can make it to the Jerry Springer show and be known as the pole assassin, that is someone who's at the top of her craft. <laughs> Jerry, 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 Jerry. Uh, this isn't no Bronco Nagurski award or whatever gets handed out. <laughs> Danielle Thomas. They might have is, an award, uh, though. I'd be interested. Yeah, they call should have. The, oh, they the, probably have awards. Call it the they Curious George award. award. I don't know. <laughs> Danielle Thomas is the girlfriend of University of Texas tight end coach uh, and special teams coordinator Jeff Banks. She has uh, a history as a, an exotic dancer, if you will. I don't know how you want to refer to it. I have no problem with the profession. It's legal. A lot of a lot of eschewing of this. Uh, during her run as an exotic dancer, she was uh, so good at uh, working the the uh, equipment at the uh, gentlemen's club that she earned the nickname Pole Assassin. <laughs> Maybe the greatest nickname in the history of her <laughs> profession. I mean, come on. They put that it would they like put it up on the billboard outside with like <laughs> Pole Assassin will be here Tuesday night. <laughs> Anyway, the pole assassin is now dating guy Jeff Banks, who played football at uh, Wazoo under uh, Mike Price, who knows a thing or two Hmm. about uh, the pole assassins and what they can do to you. They assassinate your Alabama job is what they do. (laughs) It's rolling, baby. (laughs) Anyway, trick-or-treating came along. You know, it was Halloween on Sunday night, and, and Danielle Thomas tried to be a good neighbor down there in Austin. Sent out a little thing saying that she was going to have a little uh, party at the house, outdoor party where she could, uh, you know, kids could come and look at the maze around their house. And it was kind of a haunted house. And then there'd be a traditional party for adults, I guess. I don't know what that was all about, but you bring your kids over and they're going to be some 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 things are happening over at the at the house. And uh, I mean, who doesn't like a haunted house and a maze? So apparently some people went over. And uh, a uh, one of the kids, it's 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 a little confusing. Although Daniel Thomas did kind of admit there was an incident, he got towards the back of the house and got near some cages apparently, and was bit by uh, the pole assassin's support monkey. <laughs> yes, please note emotional support monkey, yes. not so, just emotional support monkey. So Not just a pet monkey. But say, an the emotional first time in monkey. the history of the English language, the words pole assassin, <laughs> emotional support monkey were said in a row. <laughs> Do you think that the monkey like hung out with Flirty the horse, our old friend from the emotional yeah. support air flights that used to be a running bit on our podcast? Sure. That's, I mean, I think there's probably... You know what? The emotional support animals probably have a Slack channel where they can all get together and discuss their craft. <laughs> so the, uh, the, 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 you know, it's, it's a little sketchy. Was there, a, how injured was this child? Uh, a monkey bite? I would think would be not, that would be significant. Yeah. I've never been bitten by a monkey. I don't want to know what it feels like. I don't want to find out. Uh, the pole assassin decided to blame the kid for getting back there. You're supposed to know better. Uh, there was numerous uh, tweets. Uh, there was a there was a, a video to defend herself. Uh, yeah. But then then she deleted her Twitter account. <laughs> There's a lot going on. But we kept the video, baby. We kept hold of it. Can we play the video? Hustle. Do we have the video? All right, play play the audio of this and see if Danielle Thomas, the pole assassin, 
is is is, is fair on this. Maybe we'll people's court this. Who's at fault? <laughs> Who's at fault? Let's let's listen to the first witness. This is sad that people have to go all out of the way to prove that a person is lying. Here's the gate. Here's where all the haunted house action happened. And yes, I do clean up fast. It's gone. <laughs> Here's the gate that every child and parent was told to turn around at when they got to. It was closed and blocked off with balloons. This is how far the kid went in my backyard without permission all the way over here to where my animals live. And watch this. I don't even play when it comes to my animals and I know all the legal rules on them. Do not enter emotional support animals, no touching. How can she viciously bite someone if they don't stick their hand in there where it don't belong? This is her home and her home only. It's already clear as day on the gate. Don't touch. No one's allowed back here without my permission. Yeah. That's it. So they, yeah. The great thing that the, the video did, the video set us all free to talk about this because the video basically confirmed that something happened. At first, this was some murky Twitter rumor, you know, that some people were saying <laughs> definitely happened and it was some vicious monkey bite. They had to pry the jaws off the kid. That may be true, but well, it may not be. <laughs> but thank you, Danny for posting the video and in the process of trying to say nothing happened, saying that something happened and that the monkey did indeed bite a kid. And yes, it may, may well have been the kid's fault, but thank you. You brought it public. You confirmed that there was something there. Now we got a podcast. I'm no lawyer, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have advised my, uh, my client to post anything. <laughs> <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. She did not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. Justice, Justice Pete, uh, who's at fault here? Who's at fault? Is it the monkey? Is it the owner of the monkey? Is it the kid who stuck his arm in the in there to see if that was a real monkey? So we we've, we've run into a lot of like really terrible public relations decisions in our careers, right? Like really bad public relations decisions. Like the NCAA is really like a running gag of bad public relations decisions. We've talked about that, uh, you know, uh, ongoing here. And you can just, you can just look at some of this, the just really terrible decisions that are made at front facing at some of these universities. I don't know if I've ever seen a more disastrous self-induced gaslighting the situation more than Danny Tom. So whatever the legalities in the state of Texas are around monkey bitings, and I've not looked up the, the proper codes for those. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't looked, I have it not up. looked them up. I have not looked them up. I'm too busy watching Cincinnati get, uh, get handed another bad hand. I will say that I don't know if I've ever seen a single decision just more comically bad than the one she made. Like, I'd almost feel bad for her, except somewhere in her mind, she thought that was really a bright idea. Pete, Pete, did you really think that the pole assassin <laughs> is like a crisis management <laughs> mind? Like, what, what exactly did you expect? I, I understand when you're like, you know what, the AD, this AD should be smarter than to do this, or the NCA should be smarter than to do this, So the playoff committee should be smarter than to do this. That's fine. These are professional. This is the poll assassin. Her legal counsel is telling her to press the kicking game for there the breaks are made, yeah. you know, not telling her not to post anything. 
Her previous she, claim to fame was the Jerry Springer her, uh, show, career, yeah, which is also really never a good PR move. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she cares. <laughs> she Why? was going to have her say. Why do you need an emotional support monkey? <laughs> well, if if Justice Forty can weigh in here. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. I throw the book at everyone. Everyone gets life in prison. Everyone. <laughs> They all get life Including in the monkey? Yes, including the monkey. He was already in a cage. Ill-tempered. It's already locked up. Poorly behaved. <laughs> no. So, look. Start with the pole assassin. Yes. Criminally dumb handling of the situation. Torch potentially torches her husband's million-dollar-a-year job. And... The fact is you do have monkeys in your possession and you call them emotional support monkeys, which you know is a pet peeve of mine. There's no such thing. I hated the horse. I hate all the dogs on the planes. I hate the cats. I sure as hell hate the capuchin monkeys that are on the planes too. So she's out. The monkey's out for being an emotional support fraud and for biting somebody and having a bad temper. And the kid is out for being criminally stupid, right? Like the kid actually did deserve it. So, you know, <laughs> the, no one the, wins. The, the emotional support monkey is going to need its own emotional support animal after being downwind yeah. of that bad 40 diatribe. <laughs> and the 12 year old, the poor, curious 12 year old, if you're 12 and there's a monkey in your neighborhood, you are going to ignore all rules and go try to see the monkey. All right. I, I think the, imagine, kid, the kid gets a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Can you imagine them? The Texas football coach and his former stripper girlfriend live next door and have a stripper monkey. Like that's like the the wildest preteen imagination fever dream possible. You are not gonna like obey the signs and the rules and the sign that says emotional support monkey, do not enter. That's just that's yeah. no, you may not, but then you know what? You still there are consequences, and it's called having the monkey clamp its jaws onto you, perhaps with rabies. Balloons blocking, <laughs> like that's going to stop a kid. Like that's some sort of. This is my thing with the kid. Uh, if you invite people over to a haunted house, you're expected to like, don't go in here. You'll die, right? All right, go through the. You're expected to like look around, right? If it says don't enter, you enter because it's a haunted house. Ah, my my. Y'all are too soft on the kid. My well, he paid a price. My my sneaky favorite part of the video is when she compliments her cleaning ability. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Will this help recruiting? Will this help recruiting? Because it it all goes back to recruiting. (laughs) In that case, yeah, you know, yes, I think it probably might. There was certainly more curiosity now about the special teams coordinator. And, you know, there might be some entertainment at his house that, uh, they, they, the recruits would like to at least find out what's going on. I just, I don't know where, I don't know how. I don't know where, I don't know how. How does this come up? But here's the other part of it. Like, the monkey is not just an emotional support monkey. It's part of the act, right? It was part of her act when she was a, an entertainer. So what exactly did the monkey do? And does that actually help? Like, you know, does that drum up business? Hey, let's go see the monkey. I mean, do people, like, want to see that as part of an act? You know, there's a lot of different tastes out there, Pat. You just, you, you don't want to, I don't think you want to overturn that rock. Okay. Okay. I don't know what's out there, but maybe, maybe. 
if they throw the in mo- a free breakfast buffet and I get to see <laughs> a monkey too, like, yeah, maybe. Says on the side, pole, pole assassins back in town. Did you bring your monkey? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Is the cover charge less if she doesn't bring the monkey than if she does? I know. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird people, man. Everything, everyone's got a thing. I, I don't know. I just does the monkey climb the pole too or not? Do we know? I would imagine they would be pretty good at it. <laughs> well, yeah, I would think so. That's but you f- do yeah. not want the monkey in the breakfast buffet, Sully. No, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, you go Texas. Did he do the horns down? Did the did the kid do a horns down at the monkey? <laughs> to cause the the biting. Would that would that change your feeling? We have no evidence. I'm just throwing out conspiracies. I need that backyard <laughs> video because you know they got cameras on all around that nice house. It's gonna oh, yeah. surface. So, yeah, kids going horns like, down horn- with the monkey and he freaks out. And, <laughs> and horns case, down, yes. monkey. Yeah. Then the kid also gets flagged by the Big Twelve office. Fifteen yards. You will have to sit out next <laughs> Halloween. The first yes. fifteen minutes. <laughs> sit out next Halloween. <laughs> For doing the horns down I and getting bit Texas by a monkey. Stitched him. They they stopped penalizing that. I don't. I don't. Yeah, maybe not. It should be. It should be allowed. It should be allowed. See, now. I, I I have two more questions then. Now, uh, so. oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, this is the best topic we've ever had. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> the amount of interaction and engagement I got Monday night from people on Twitter who listen to the podcast for this was far outstripped anything we've we've ever been flagged oh, yeah. on before. Oh yeah. So yeah. this is wheelhouse for Outst- our people. Outstripped, Pat. Uh, outstripped. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So my two questions, yes. Does this accentuate Texas's SEC resume as, as, as full-blown SEC? But then secondly, what's going to be the reaction in Tapwater City in Ames when Texas comes to town Saturday? It better be good. Ooh, I'll say that. <laughs> that's good. That's good. We have a lot of listeners in the city of Ames, and we expect some pretty good shenanigans to be added to us on Saturday from that game. Is it a night game in Ames? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I did say, I said that I thought that there would be an absolute eruption in monkey costume sales in the greater Ames area uh, between oh. now and Saturday. What what I really love about the Pole Assassin's Jerry Springer video, yeah. uh, f- first off, it was under the auspices of Be My Baby Donor. <laughs> really? <laughs> Just the... <laughs> Jerry Springer had gotten to the point where his show, never really a bastion of class and comedy or anything, was just showing stripper routines. That was the show. This was on like middle of the day. They just were showing a stripper. One of my college yeah. buddies got an internship with Springer and he turned it down and I haven't forget. I don't think I've talked what? to him since. I know. It's, it's a shame. I would have taken that internship in college. And are you kidding me? Perfect. What a resume builder! Isn't Jerry, uh, isn't Jerry Springer I, from Cincinnati? Yes, he is. Six right. degrees of separation right, here. ESPN. The if whole you got show, a sense of humor. Look, everything comes back to Cincinnati. We've got your guest picker for game day on Saturday. All right. Forget <laughs> Nick Lachey. Sure, it should probably be yeah. Oscar Robertson. No, no, no. Bring back uh, the Spring Dog. There you go. Bring back the spring dog. <laughs> Seven thirty p.m. in Ames. By well, the way, though, the, the after four thousand bush lights, cyclones will be ready for their with their monkey stuff. Uh, you, so this is transitioning well. Jerry Springer 
uh, once was running for governor of Ohio. He was like yes. a councilman in, in Cincinnati. He had a, his his big campaign scandal was that he he uh, uh, visited a uh, a prostitute and then paid with personal check. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> And got caught back in 1982. Oh, my gosh. Which brings us to Oxford, Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) Nice transition. I mean, I'm just reading the news here. What a problem. Just reading the news. The show goes where it goes. I'm not controlling. It was a $25 check, too. It was just 25 bucks. I mean, you get a personal check. Wow. Almost as dumb as using your university phone. (laughs) To call escorts on the uh, you found on the internet uh, while recruiting in those cities. Why did Hugh Freeze recruit the Tampa area so much when he was at Ole Miss? Was it the great talent there? A different pole assassin down there. How good should the signs be this weekend for Hugh Freeze returning to Ole Miss where he was fired for for visiting uh, prostitutes. And and then the entire backstory of how he got caught is phenomenal. But, uh, Pat, how how good should these, these signs well, be? Yeah, I mean, here's the or problem. Or should they forgive? I don't know. Well, they, you're, you're, you're also clowning yourself if you're doing that at Ole Miss because he was your coach at the time. And so it's a little bit of a tightrope. You're kind of threading a needle there. We want to mock the coach that we loved and that we were mad, actually, that people were mad that he got fired, that he got ran out of town. Uh, so I don't know how the Ole Miss fans are going to play that one. I, I, would, <laughs> I would lean more towards the dental chair sort of jokes, I think, if I were those fans than, than the other stuff. More dental chair. Pete, should they mock I him or wonder, what? I don't know if, if I have a good window into the soul of the old Miss fan. Um, other than to know they sort of just are perpetually aggrieved. But I would say that <laughs> I would think there'd be some anger towards Hugh Freeze because he ended up being sort of a disingenuous drifter, to use one of Pat Forty's famous whole phrases, right? <laughs> like there you go. He there rolled go. into he rolled into town like the music man sold you vision and uh yeah. The emperor had no clothes, no clothes, nor did many of the people he was calling. So, <laughs> at least in the ads on the internet. So I, I just feel like, and, and then, you know, that you had to sputter through the Matt Luke era. I mean, think about this. They had, they had A.J. Brown at one receiver, D.K. Metcalf at another receiver, and their roster was so hamstrung from the sins of Hugh Freeze that they couldn't do anything with it. That's insane. <laughs> Those guys are freakazoids. The fact that they were on the same college team is mind-bending. And they were completely benign and uninteresting and irrelevant when they were there. The, the, this is really one of the great scandals in, in college sports history. Not just because it involved like 20 different phone calls to 20 different prostitutes, okay, on the, on the company-issued phone. But the whole genesis, okay, Hugh Freeze, this is how it's done. Hugh Freeze got caught cheating at Ole Miss. They violated NCA rules. The NCA came in with their uh, notice of allegations and what they're what they were what they were investigating, and it was only a couple weeks before National Signing Day in uh, oh, two thousand. Yeah, it was actually a couple of days before. A couple of days before. Okay, we reported the story at Yahoo. I believe we reported it on a Friday, and Signing Day was Wednesday. I want to say. Okay. So the the notice of allegations had Hugh Freeze committing all these violations. Ole Miss didn't care. 
didn't care that he committed all the violations. There was no movement to fire Hugh Freeze. Uh, but the rumors were out that, that they were going to get hammered by the NCA. So Hugh Freeze and the athletic director, Ross Bjork, who's now at A&M. But those two at the time decided to preserve the recruiting class. They were going to leak to the media that this wasn't going to be a big deal. Ole Miss wasn't going to get in trouble. And most of the, the violations occurred not by Hugh Freeze, but by previous coach Houston Nutt. And that was patently demonstrably wrong. Hugh Freeze was willing to tell every player on his team lies and say, stay, don't transfer. This isn't going to be a big deal. It's not on me. It's on Houston Nutt. He was willing to look every recruit in the eye, every recruit's parent, every recruit's coach, and lie and say, stay with us. It's not on me. It's all on Houston Nutt. They first they cheat, then they lie, and no one at Ole Miss cares. Perfectly good. Their boss is in on it. We're great. Fine. Cheat, lie. Okay, that's college sports, right? We don't care. Now, the problem was Houston Nutt is reading stories saying it's all on him, and he says, hell no. I didn't do it. Everyone's calling me a cheater now. It's Hugh Freeze. It wasn't on me. I don't know. So he hires Thomas Mars, Tom Mars, who is a hard-driving attorney out of Arkansas, and Tom Mars wages war on Ole Miss, gets all of the phone records of Hugh Freeze, and they sue. And instead of Ole Miss just giving an apology, saying, sorry, we were wrong, because eventually the notice of the allegation comes out, it's proven they're all wrong. But by that point, these kids are all tricked into signing that they lied to. Thomas Mars, they're looking for an apology for for Houston Nutt. He doesn't get one. Ole Miss digs in. They go through all the phone records. They find 20-something calls to prostitutes. They drop that on Ole Miss. And now Ole Miss says, you're fired. <laughs> the, the prostitutes are the problem. <laughs> the lying, the cheating, the deception, the sheer unbelievable depravity. I mean, you know what kind of a dirtbag you have to be to stare at a parent and her kid and go, no, that's not what. Just straight lie to their face that I didn't do it. Like yeah. that. I'm going to yeah. trick not, you. We're into not going to get bad sanctions for this. We're not going to get sanctions. No, right? no, they I didn't do it. With it's a two-year postseason ban. Like, yeah, it's a dirtbag move. It's a straight dirtbag move. You lied to everyone. You tricked people into staying at Ole Miss. Nobody at Ole Miss cared. That's the school. But the prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> That's- there has never been a story that that perfectly encapsulates the ethics of NCA college football, college basketball than this story. Because I'm not saying Ole Miss is the only one who would have done this. Right. They did do it. And Hugh Freeze should be shamed of himself for lying to all those kids and their moms and their dads. But he isn't. He doesn't care. But uh, this is what college sports is. There are no, if you are winning, you can cheat and lie and deceive and all of that. Oh no, the prostitute. Gotta go. <laughs> That's the story. Just laid it right out there. And it did. That was the occasion that launched Tom Mars into the college athletic space. And woo, he's a bad guy to be on the wrong side of, yeah. including <laughs> as as he kept pounding them and pounding them and pounding them. He would text me and he would text me like a link to some new revelation they had exposed about something and he would just say they should have just said they should have just apologized 
<laughs> Every single that? time. He just kept saying that. Yeah. All, just all, all Houston Nutt wanted was an apology and, yeah. a, and something so that he could get his reputation back and be able to coach again or just be able to just be and say, yeah, you didn't do all the violations. Hugh did. And they wouldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) The video of the monkey situation, bad PR. But what Mississippi did, maybe worse PR. (laughs) I don't even think it's PR. It's just like administrative (laughs) malfeasance. Like that's just like there's a PR decision. Then there's just a general absence of common sense. This is a dirtbag. Well, everyone's still working. Yeah. Hugh's yeah. got a job. Ron's got a job. Everyone has a better job. Yeah. Future yeah, Conference USA champion Hugh Freeze. The beat goes on. <laughs> yeah, it goes right on. Nobody cares. Promote him. That's yeah. a great way. You got caught cheating and then you covered it up and you lied to everybody. Hey, he's getting you a new job. College Hughes, sports Hughes people. frustrated that he hadn't gotten a new job since the Liberty, since he got to Liberty. Yeah. If you want to know why I'm a little cynical about this sport. <laughs> That's what happened. They couldn't yeah. apologize to a guy that they slandered. And you know what? They got caught with the hookers. So it happened. All Hopefully right. a good emotional support animal could could use some of that cynicism, Dan. I think so. I think they, that, that makes sense now why you would need an emotional support. <laughs> We're going to maybe the rest of the pod here, we should chip in and get Dan like an emotional support turtle or something. <laughs> what I'm kind good. of animal would, good. Dan, would give I, Dan good emotional support? Um, see something super low maintenance that he yeah. can just maybe look at and chuckle at every once in a while. I have fish, a support fish group. That's good. Fisher. I have good. a support group. It's called a six pack. <laughs> Takes solves all problems, creates many. Uh, all right. Washington coach Jimmy Lake uh, was asked about uh, they're playing Oregon. Asked about the big recruiting battles between Washington and Oregon, and he went this. This is kind of like you said earlier, like, uh, you know, this is a classic move when you know you're finished as a coach. This is not a, this is not a move of strength. It's like the, 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 the uh, vote of confidence or whatever. He went with the academ- superior academics of Washington over Oregon. That is way more pumped up than it is. Our battles are really the schools we go against have academic prowess, like the University of Washington. Notre Dame, Stanford, USC. We go with a lot of battles, toe-to-toe, all the way to the end with those schools. So I think that's made up and pumped up in the media's world. In our world, we battle more academically prowess teams. <laughs> yeah. There was not a lot of academic prowess at the end of that statement either there, you know, from from Coach Lake. It's not, not the best worded. Not the best. So um, maybe you should, like, what? So... I would just question Jimmy Lake's football prowess. He hired John Donovan as offensive coordinator, which from 80 million miles away was one of the worst coordinator hires that I've ever witnessed and first guessed all the way. Now, he did win the North last year at 3-1, and one, I believe, but it's just completely and spectacularly backfired to the point where your sputtering program should not be taking any kind of higher ground. You should be locked and loaded on trying to fix that mess, Jimmy. Oh yeah, no. This was uh, to, to Dan's point. When you when you can't brag about winning on the field, you gotta you gotta deflect it elsewhere, and that's where it becomes. Well, you may be kicking our ass, but we have more class than you, and so that's that's yeah, where this comes our, our, down. Our academics, like really, right. like you yeah. can't get the, the, the. Maybe you should try recruiting against the teams that are kicking your ass. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We stand for this. I will say this. This has been a long ongoing 
Washington looking down its nose at Oregon academically sort of thing. I mean, I remember back when Sarkeesian was at uh, um, Washington and Chip Kelly was at Oregon and there was some of this. I'm not sure it came from the coaches per se, but I remember some some tut-tutting at, at Oregon being a lesser academic school back then, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. And uh, so it's, this is he's playing the hits. He's playing the base because he's got nothing else to sell at this point. Right. His team stinks. Does this They're even work? Offensively, Does this work with the base. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Oregon Maybe. President Michael Schill responded: "UW has a wonderful school. Is a wonderful school with a great football history. I have great respect and affection for its president, its academic and football program, and its former exceptional football coach, Coach Peterson." <laughs> don't mention that- it, Jimmy Lake. I thought that was a pretty good shiv to the ribs right back. Not bad. Not bad. How do, you, how do you think Stanford coach David Shaw reacted reading Washington looking down at Oregon because of the academic prowess? Do you think that was the only more fruitless academic snobbery statement came from Harbaugh when he was at Stanford looking down at Michigan's academics before he eventually went and took the Michigan job? That was an all-timer. It was uh, where he said, yeah, I couldn't get him in. That was big. And that almost blocked him from getting the Michigan job because the Michigan people were so upset. Right. Um, right I don't right. know. I don't know. All right. Also, in uh, in weird comments in recruiting, Dan Mullen kind of <laughs> flubbed a question, I would say. He didn't want to talk about recruiting during the season. That's what he was trying to do. But it, it's it's extended this, this uh, narrative that he's not good at recruiting, that Florida doesn't have good enough players, and they're getting hammered by Georgia and everyone else. We keep discussing this. I, I think it's more, and then they canceled availability. I think the question more I have is, is like, is this just a good fit? Is Mullen a good fit at a program the size of Florida or not? Like, can he, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I disagree with the narrative that it, he doesn't have any good players because they, they do have good players. Could they be better? Yes, but nobody's recruiting as well as Georgia right now. Clemson's not. Alabama isn't even really. Um, so that's not really a fair comparison, but Mullen clearly is in a, in an oddball space here. He's, he's getting a lot of heat from a, from a, from there's at least a lot of negative chatter around him, whether it matters or not. Pete, what do you think? I have an idea. I'm going to propose a trade. This is going to be my trade. I'm going to propose that Florida trades Dan Mullen to Penn state for James Franklin. I think both guys need a fresh start. James Franklin Eight years in, a lot of those little battles are wearing on him. He's wearing on the fans. The fans are wearing on him. He's a very good coach with a very good track record who could go energize Florida's current weakness, which obviously is recruiting. Look what he did at Vanderbilt. He was a ninja at Vanderbilt on the recruiting trail especially. And then Dan Mullen could go to the Big Ten. He's from New Hampshire. He went to college in Pennsylvania. And he could give that place a potential foil to Ohio State, Michigan State now, Michigan and I think he would be a very good Big Ten coach. He certainly has a level of offensive acumen, the ability to recruit higher end quarterbacks. Dan Mullen is a very good college football head coach. There's a lot of good there. He pulled off one of the five best coaching jobs of my tenure, you know, 20 years covering college sports with what he did at Mississippi State. He is a great play caller. He's a very good evaluator and one of the three best developers of quarterbacks that I've been around. So I just think both guys might need a new setting. Seems like Gator Nation is down on Dan. Seems like James is kind of time. trade. Uh, Can this happen? Coaching trade. I, what do we think of the trade? Is the trade? I, mean, I think it, it, I, I, trade would work. Uh, oh, I like. Can it. we trade? Can you trade? No. Yes, yeah, we can do it on the podcast. <laughs> we can do it. A trade. 
Yeah, a coaching trade. I like it. I mean, I think your reasoning's sound. I think both guys probably would uh, would do better somewhere other than where they are right now, and those would be good good spots for them. I, I like that. I but since it's probably not going to happen, we're probably not going to have a trade. <laughs> uh, I want the what? trade. Come on. <laughs> I I I my suggestion is for for Dan Mullen to put on his big boy britches and take it. You know what? You're four and four. What do you expect? You're four and four. You're getting paid six point seven million or whatever in the SEC. Do you want flowers, you know, and balloons from people? It's not going to happen. So here's the deal: you you suck it up in your press conference and you answer the dumb recruiting questions. And here's the thing: it wasn't just you know we'll talk about recruiting at the end of the year, which is not in itself a terrible answer, but it was dismissive. And at the very end, is next question. You know, and then you start getting a little high and mighty, a little uptighty there when you're getting your butt kicked and you maybe better hang in the pocket and take it a little bit better than that. And then you cancel the media availability. And while people don't care about media battles, it's an indication he's not taking this adversity as well as I think he should and could. All right, pretty interesting. Now, this is where you, you start thinking sometimes that, like, Pat Fitzgerald's got it all figured out. He stays at a school where he's where he's appreciated, and if they have a down year, they have a down year, and they come back. Uh, Gary Patterson was that guy for a long time. TCU. TCU isn't in the Big 12 without Gary Patterson. TCU isn't the school it is without Gary. Gary Patterson's one of the most influential people at the school to ever happen. And a phenomenal football coach for a long time you could – if you were naming five best coaches in the country, you're, you're going to have a hard time not having Gary Patterson in there. This is a great coach. TCU, he's obviously been, they have not been as good the last few years. Boosters are done. They wouldn't even let him finish the year. And he is out uh, after, what was it, 22 seasons or something. I mean, he's basically created TCU football. But he's gone. Didn't win enough. So he ain't safe anywhere because he had a lot. Of, he should have had a lot of credibility there. You know, my question is: should Gary Patterson coach again? Uh, you know, I read a story that he was in the office on Monday trying to help the transition because he had already designed the game plan for Baylor. He wants to coach. He wants to be a coach. Like he's not sitting there bitter at TCU. He's trying to help his players. There's a guy who actually cares. I wonder if someone else should hire try to hire Gary Patterson because I don't know that this guy doesn't have a, a certainly like a. A, a Mac Brown level, like he ain't done. If he's not done, this is a great football coach. Pat, what do you think? Oh yeah, and I think he, I think he's burned and angry and wants to coach again. Now maybe that wears off after the hurt of this, but as of now, I think he does. He's sixty-one years old in coaching years. It's not ancient. You want to trade? How about a Metroplex trade? If if people want Sonny Dykes, if TCU really wants Sonny Dykes, then he could go to to TCU and and Gary Patterson go to SMU. Although. Gary Patterson has burned a few bridges in that state, then the SMU bridge might be yeah, one maybe. Of them. What about Tech? Tech? Tech, absolutely. Texas Tech, sure. You know, this is the thing. And I, I wrote, actually, the entire state of Texas has lost its freaking mind. I mean, everyone <laughs> in that state, every all 12 <laughs> of the FBS schools in the state they have, all 12 of the FBS schools <laughs> in 2021 have either realigned, fired a coach, could have their coach poached, uh, become an orphan like UTEP if they end up with no conference, or given a 10-year, $90 million contract to a guy who almost made the playoff. That's what the state of Texas has done. UTEP Leaving is a victim. They're a victim. I'm gonna, uh, well, they're a victim they here. Okay. 
They, they, UTEP's the only place that hadn't lost its mind, and Baylor and SMU haven't lost their mind, but they're going to get their coaches poached, perhaps. Anyway, to the point, I, I mean, this, it is a shame and an a absolute commentary on what college football has become that Gary Patterson and TCU end up on the outs like this with each other. It should not end this way. You, you know, you, you need to figure this out, TCU, and to have done this in a much better way than to have Gary Patterson storming out and saying, I'm not coaching the rest of the year uh, when you try to, to move him out of there. You wait until the end of the year if you need to do it. You don't do it with a month left and expect Gary Patterson just to go along and get along because that's not who he is and not who he's ever been. To, have, to do this to a guy who has a statue outside of the stadium, I don't think I've seen that before over wins and losses. This isn't a Joe Paterno situation or something like that. But when a guy with a statue gets trapdoored like this, uh, it's bad. And that's just kind of where, where college football is these days. I mean, we, we didn't really understand a lot of the firings that have happened, but this one is right up there with them in 2021. See, Pat, I, I think you're missing the point, and the point is the petty. And what really is fascinating to me about this TCU situation is they really fired him because they were worried about losing Sonny Dykes to Texas Tech. And that is just a fantastic level of Texas football petty (laughs) that should not be (laughs) overlooked. Okay, you are the single reason we have this stadium built. We are in this league. We are making 30-something million dollars a year off football. We are a much more nationally vibrant and relevant university. That's all nice, Gary. But... You're losing, and your presence is scaring off the guy we really want as coach. So sorry, man. Hit the road. We got to clear out space and invite Sonny over. And Hey, Sonny, stay in the Metroplex. You can live in Highland Park for a while. It's good, man. Oh, Gary, yeah, Gary, he'll be, he'll be out of here soon. So I actually love, like, in the, in the lexicon of Texas petty and crazy, that is like a pretty ninja move by TCU. So I can only just respect it. Well, it, it is all those things. There's no doubt that, they, yes, I think that they felt pressure to go get this done so they could go after uh, Sonny Dykes. And as I said in the column, at least they didn't Auburn the situation and just go completely behind Patterson's back. They did tell him they want him out. But are we convinced Sonny Dykes is worth all this? I mean, so we've turned Sonny Dykes now into a Big 12, like, bidding war battle. I, I, somebody's going to have to convince me that he is worth the, the effort here. Everybody's firing their coach to try to get them. Let me ask this. So just hypothetically, if Jimbo Fisher left A&M for LSU, who would be the top candidate? I don't know. Are you saying Sonny Dykes would be? I mean, I'm not – I. I would think he is would it, be. Was a, it the 19 and 30 record that he had at California that would dazzle <laughs> Texas A&M? Is that it? I mean, he did have one winning season, so I guess that, Pat has that picked up it. the mic to make this point. Pat is so fired up, he's holding his mic. Oh, we, we have decided that Sonny Dykes is just, you got to just throw everything out the window to get him. Oh, okay. All right. Including Gary that, freaking Patterson. Yeah. Your legendary guy. Like, yeah. You got to throw him out the, with the with yesterday's bacon grease and, so you can go and, get Sonny Dykes. Same thing as last week. TCU's administration just spit in the face of all their players. Sure. Like, again, like, just no respect for the players. Zero. F you. We don't care that you have Baylor, who's your big rival. They take that. Methodist Baptist thing going or Christian, whatever they're, I don't know the things, but whatever they do, they get into it, man. I've seen that game a couple times. 
we don't care. We're going to fire him because we get an edge. Like, you, the, these administrations just keep screwing the players over. This is the yeah. second Big 12 DJ. What the, yeah, we lost to Kansas State. And what's so bad about losing to Kansas State? Now, two straight coaches got fired for losing to Kansas State. Talk about, jeez, yep. K-State's got to be like, man, we ain't that ugly, man. What's, <laughs> come on. I say, wasn't there an old thing in the SEC where if you lost to Mississippi State, you got croomed? Do you remember that? Croomed, yeah. Croomed, yeah. Sylvester Croom got like three guys. Now in the Big 12, you've been climbing. He's gotten two guys in a row. Nobody cares. No. Again, want to know why no. I'm cynic? Here you go. <laughs> Hey, got a got a third of your season left. We don't care. Family, family around here. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna sing the fight song. We tell you. If it says it on a sticker in the wall in the facility, it has to be true, Dan. Yeah, it has to be true. Real good family you got. Uh, all right, that is our pod. I don't even know what what we were supposed to get to, but that's where we went. Just gonna let it go wherever it, wherever it led us. Uh, we'll be back later in the week with the race for the case, and we will talk about all of the games coming up. And uh, so to, to tune in then. Continue to subscribe and support us. Appreciate all of the listeners and all the people listening and all the tweets. Thank you very much. Talk to you later.